Hello and welcome to a whole new podcasting adventure, a new frontier in wrestling podcasting, if you will, as we review, discuss and cover in depth everything the Frontier Wrestling Alliance ever put on television. I'm your host, Kieran Lafort, at one time the only full-time employee of the FWA, and although I did a lot of things for that company by myself, I couldn't do this alone. So joining me in this three-man booth is the first person who thought this sounded like a good idea. Back in the Dundee Arms over four years ago, Eddie Sideburns. Eddie, how are you doing? Oh, I, <laughs> the boyhood dream has come true after all that discussion. <laughs> and then Greg Burridge being behind us and saying that, what? Yeah. Um, to now being here to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm excited and I'm ready to talk about uh one of the wackiest uh, TV shows I think I've seen to begin with. So. <laughs> I've Tremendous. got four, four pages of notes. I'm, I'm ready to go here. <laughs> I'm rounding out this trio. The only other person who thinks this might be a laugh. Someone I have reviewed an obscene amount of substandard British wrestling television with on his own show is GCP's Andy Ogden. Andy, how are you? Hello, Mr. Kieran. Uh, <laughs> happy to be with you once again to review another two years worth of my life i'll never get back <laughs> hopefully this will have more happy memories for you than uwa oh well yeah um i'm sure there'll be a lack of big papa tea but um many matches of alex shane um which uh, we aim to discuss over the uh, coming years uh we will see him quite a lot um so i think i need to kind of explain to people who don't know what the FWA actually was. Um, the history of the FWA is messy. So as far as I understand it, modern, in quotes, FWA begins in February 1999 when Elisar Cabrera, who is a filmmaker and producer, becomes a part owner of what Mark Sloan had been promoting as the Fratton Wrestling Association in Portsmouth. Um the idea was LSR kind of saw something in it and wanted to make it television ready and ready to be like a Nash, a more national company. Um, so he buys in and Sloan is concentrating on the in-ring in wrestling stuff and LSR is writing the stories, doing the PR, planning the expansion, all of that. For the first show they put on together, FWA1, LSR brought a two-camera TV crew and used the footage from that to make a promo tape. Fun story from that show, the main event was a battle royal that ended up in a no contest after some of the participants started shooting on each other. <laughs> and that will be the main event of Five Star Wrestling 2025, Cyber Edition. <laughs> Apparently it was an absolute clusterfuck. Um, so he took then three cameras to No Surprises, which was the second show, and made a one-hour pilot to shop around to TV stations. Apparently, the promo from FWA1 made it onto some VHS comp that was doing the rounds about 20 years ago, but the originals were lost in a storage fire, which is a shame, because I quite like to see the pilot. It's probably in the same storage fire as episode 18 of UWA Wrestling. <laughs> probably <is. laughs> At one point, there was FWA South, FWA Midlands, an association with Extreme World Warfare, who I think were also in the Midlands, and Capital City Pro Wrestling in London, run by one Alexander Daniel Spilling, better known as Alex Shane. No, stop it. 
Eddie's doing Alex Shane poses. I'm not having that. <laughs> oh, oh! Any time when I heard when his theme song came out, I was like, oh. just kept on, just kept on show. Um, I've got I've got an entire comment here that just says show, show. <laughs> so Midlands and CCPW were more training schools than actual promotions, I think. And while EWW would carry on being their own thing, everything else simply got folded into VFWA. I think in two thousand and one, maybe. So, to put it all of this in a bit more context in the wider wrestling world, when this first aired, the stuff we're talking about today aired on uh, the first episode aired on Friday, June the eighth, two thousand and one. When this first aired, WCW had only been dead for two months. <laughs> ECW yeah. had only been out of business for five months, and Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan was less than a year old. There was no TNA. There was no Ring of Honor. Was WWE still about by this point? Was was the was the Australian there? Uh, uh, Mark two thousand one. Yeah, they were running shows. Yeah, okay. just were they were they in were they in the UK by this point? I don't remember because I remember I do know there was a show announced for the UK that my mate and I wanted to get tickets for simply because they had advertised Rey Mysterio Junior for it. Oh, and okay. Around this time, he is my favourite wrestler. They had misspelled his name as Ray Marstereo, but he was still advertised. <laughs> and then that show never happened. I, I, th- I, think the, uh, I think they ended up doing a show at the um, MEN Arena, AO Arena, oh, really? Arena, whatever it's called. Hmm. And uh, some of the pictures from that, I think it was like Disco Inferno in a builder's hat. And so. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, nothing will ever beat the title defense of the NW World Heavyweight Championship by Jeff Jarrett against Nathan Jones in the SECC in Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, Lord. A main event in any arena in the building, in the country, in the world. (laughs) So around this time, British wrestling is much more sparse than it is today. Um, The shows we're talking about today were all taped in May 2001. How many shows... Do you think Cage Match has a record of as happening in the entire UK in May 2001? Go on, Eddie. What do you think? Uh, oh, God. Probably about... In the entire... Okay. Uh, probably about three. Okay. Andy? Well, two, 2001, and as I said, the internet's... On, well... It's been around a couple of years. Ask Jeeves and Lycos were still going, not the wrestlers. Mm. And they were probably in primary school at the time. Um, Oh, man, Lycos Jim should have a character called Ask Jeeves who hangs around with him like a butler. (laughs) (laughs) And a guy who runs Um, around just going, Yahoo! I would probably say 11. There were five, and one of those was WWF Insurrection. So there were four actual British shows on Cage Match for May 2001. Contrast that with May 2023 when there were 89. That's how on its ass the British wrestling scene was at this time. So the FWA hook was really that they were doing something that most of British wrestling wasn't doing, which was... Mm episodic storyline driven shows with us indian japanese style action around this time your other options were tribute shows with like fake kane versus i don't know the 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 big mess man uh the under faker all of that shit or all-star 
neither of which had any of this type of action mm-hmm. or yeah um each year of the company kind of seems to be its own era as it goes forward so i think we'll talk about those as we get to them with that out of the way i want to ask both of you and i'll start with andy what is your fwa fandom like what is your link to the companies do you ever go to any of the shows um i never went to any fwa shows so Kick him off the call. he's first... not allowed no sorry <laughs> veterans only <laughs> no my my first taste of like um like independent wrestling was well you can say like roh unified but mm. mainly seeing british acts was going into like the nowhere dragon gate uk era right and um starting off at pcw blood sweat and uh beers in about oh, 2011 wow. a late comer but, but with fwa i think my gateway maybe uh yeah i think quite a lot of people will say the talk sports show with alex shane sure with him on um i think elizar cabrera were on there yeah um You'd find out about Nikita. It would have been the uh, revival show, what they showed for an mm. hour on Bravo. Remember me, uh, me and me dad sitting down and watching that hour highlight <laughs> show, and him enjoying the uh, very much cut down version of uh, Johnny and Jody in a match. But I've, yeah, I think it was more from that, and then getting tapes from um, the wrestling shop in Manchester from Mike, Mike Huff, who uh, used to run HXC Wrestling in Manchester mm-hmm. uh, I remember that. A, year, a year or two. In, uh, he, I think they got as big as the uh, the Ritz um, of all mm-hmm. places, but he used to sell all like the VHSs and yeah. um, FWA and any independent promotion like ROH and mm-hmm. TNA. But yeah, no, that was my... Um, all the time, I'd really watch FWA some of the uh, the big the bigger shows when I could get the uh, the tapes. And, but I wouldn't say I was a avid watcher. Not a diehard at the time. No, no. no. And how about you, Eddie? So I, I, I'm young, stupidly young. Um, so I would never have been allowed as a, as a child of that age to go down to see FWA. My first ever introduction to. Uh, British wrestling was I went to go see and quite funnily on a nice uh, topic that's going around at the moment 1PW the 4th anniversary so um, <laughs> was the first show that my dad ever took me to to see uh, at the Donny Dome but mm. my my kind of FWA fandom was probably from watching the wrestling channel mm. when it was on um, and kind of then hearing stuff as I kind of grew back into enjoying British wrestling and, and stuff like that mm. and then just hearing stuff and then watching videos and then you know seeing all the Alex Shane stuff and then hearing all the stories on UKFF about Alex Shane and stuff like that mm. um, and then just kind of like going I'm really curious as to like because they did. Because when you look at the the stuff that they did, and then I watched back a, a while ago, I watched back some of their YouTube stuff, and they were doing like FWA shows, like comic conventions and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. it's just it's interesting because you know without it, you know you know without bringing in the style and and doing the stuff that they did, you know the groundwork for the British wrestling scene that we see right now wouldn't be there. I would say, yeah. Um, because you know they they brought in you know talent you know someone else could have brought in that talent yes absolutely mm. but you know the way they brought them in they did you know the matches they did and the stuff they did you know it is a 
it is kind of a father of the, the way the scene is right now. I'm just very interested to see how this all goes to shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If someone was coming over here, say, for All Star, like they would be on a tour for three months or whatever. Mm. If someone was coming in for the FWA, it's because you were going to get to see them fight Doug Williams in the main event on the 30th and you had to be there. Like it was yeah. a marquee thing rather than an ongoing thing. Yeah, and I think now if you look at it, you see these wrestlers come. You see these wrestlers come to the UK, and they are kind of the the promoters are all doing a share of them in essence because they're all paying for the flights to come together. Whereas I'm assuming with FWA, it was kind of like an exclusivity in essence. Well, no, it wasn't. Not always. Oh, no, okay. that's how that this kind of started. Right. Okay. Was like. Alex would call up all the promoters around the country and say, oh, "Okay, <laughs> I've got, I'm bringing in the blue blue meanie. You've got a show before at the night before hours. Do you want him? We'll split the airfare." <laughs> oh well, fair enough. That's great carny work then, absolutely. And probably give him a booking fee. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, those matches and stuff like that, and the people that he had, obviously, like you know, if you knew someone was coming in, they were going to face Doug Williams and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, you know. Um, my fandom. I think we need to get into mine as it becomes more relevant later on. But the short version is, I went to a couple of shows in 2002, and to be honest, they were not good. But something drew me back. I think it was because it was, I mean, it was 2002. As I said, ECW had only died the previous year. I was an ECW fan, and like this was UK ECW. This was as close as it got, and it was 15 miles from my front door. Um. I then went to something they called Star Search, which was for anyone who wanted to work in wrestling as anything other than a wrestler. Very much like a pop idol or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pop idol, if you wanted to set up the microphone stands for the I tour. Can just, I can just imagine now, like, Kieran doing the audition process and then being interviewed by someone in the back. I've been going, how do you find that? Well, a sob story about how... <laughs> found my dad's not doing well and i want to make it as a cameraman for my dad you're through to the next round and then all this time by michelle mcmanus just starts blasting really loudly alex shane there as pete waterman you can just imagine it i think it's a bit more simon cowell oh um, about more cowell definitely yeah. I'd say. so at the time i fancied trying it as a referee and at uh, th I'm getting a thumbs up from former referee Eddie Zyburns here. Yeah. Um, at six foot two, Alex Shane looked me up and down and went, well, you'll only be refing my matches because you're taller than the rest of our <laughs> roster. What else can you do? <laughs> uh, and at that point, like I'd already, I was like making films and doing video stuff uh, and ended up as a camera operator uh, on, I think almost all of the rest of the 2002 shows. And then almost all of the 2003 shows uh i'm trying to remember yeah uh i don't know why i have this stat they did 18 shows in 2003 and i think i worked 15 of them and then 2004 um they got the deal with the wrestling channel and i made that tv show which we'll get into when we cover it in approximately one year and <laughs> let me tell you now don't hold back boys when we get to that stuff i know yeah. it sucks i know where i fucked up and I want you to go in with both feet if necessary. <laughs> Criticise it as if it was an episode of Rampage. Will do. Andy Ogden going in like Cantona, Crystal Palace. Fan. <laughs> he'll have the big, he'll have the big special shoes on the the start the stomp shoes, and he's going to go right in. I will. 
<laughs> smiling on them heels that day. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be the baby face in that, and Andy can be the heel at that point. I'll be like, well, you know, I can get around with it. <laughs> so, what we're starting out with here after fifteen minutes of preamble and setup is um, this TV show was on something called My TV Portsmouth. That where I, I was thinking. My TV. Mm. There was a My TV that was it. ICW or My Channel. My Channel, right? Yeah, and they got kicked off because they'd aired the <laughs> My Channel aired an episode of ICW. Now, bear in mind, this was ICW before the WWE kind of mm-hmm. neutered down rubbish. Um, yeah. and it was aired about on a Sunday about 6.45 in the morning or something like that and yeah. someone obviously put in a complaint then, then they did the whole oh we got kicked off on my channel oh. and I think as well another promotion um, UKW um, who yes. run in uh, Batley in West Yorkshire they was also on that channel as well yeah. so absolute terrible wrestling but uh, <laughs> their, their performance centre in Batley it's a thing to behold. It's like TV screens everywhere. It just looks like this is a good like little uh, setup for a, like you know a trainee school. Incredible, not for a wrestling show on TV on Sky. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. So, uh, my TV was sort of like a mini network of very local TV stations. So, were, as far oh, as I'm right. aware, so, so, so like a Portsmouth version of Men and Motors for for the Granada region. Um. No, no, not even that. Like it's a proper local TV sh- channel for the town. So, like, so like, yeah. so like the way that STV in essence is the region for Scotland. But then, if there was like a small one that was based in Glasgow, but smaller than that. Imagine if there was one based in Dundee or Christ. <laughs> it's so. I know of one in Southampton and one in Oxford as well. But the one mm. in Portsmouth served an area of just seven square miles it was a tiny (laughs) channel however this channel ran 24 7 even had some live shows um i found a little video like about it on youtube they had a football show i think they had two football shows it had its own version of loose women called chatterbox they had programs about the history of the area they had a regular amateur boxing show it had it, its own kids show it had its own soap opera and news chalk hill lives and it had frontier wrestling um <laughs> Frontier Wrestling was actually one of the first shows. Episode one airs just two days after the channel launches. However, they only had a half hour slot and it was at 11.30 p.m. on Friday. <laughs> That's when pissheads are getting in for the club, isn't it? I felt, like I said, I found a video and it shows some of the first moments of the launch, like them going live. And immediately, the first thing that happens is the director hits the wrong button and cuts away from the presenter who is talking to the to a baffled-looking newsreader and then immediately cuts back again. <laughs> Perfect. There is also a fabulous line from one of the newsreaders, which is, all the buses, ferries, and hovercraft are all running well, as far as we know. <laughs> It looked cheap as hell, but I was thinking, like, at that time, I would have loved to have worked some, somewhere like this. Like, where I lived, uh, so I lived in Hertfordshire, and we didn't have anything like this. This was on, this was available over analog terrestrial TV. If you had an aerial in Portsmouth, you could just get this. 
we didn't have this until cable came along and though i didn't i i did do a little bit for one channel it was nothing like this it was it was even smaller than this channel crazy um but we'll round it out they rebranded to portsmouth tv in 2002 uh, apparently because people uh were calling them mytv and mishearing them as itv and then getting very confused when the programs were so cheap um, where's emmerdale <laughs> they did have a hookup with itv news for a while like they would just like air a block of itv news for whatever reason i guess because yeah. they were paying money uh and they went into administration unfortunately in march 2004 apparently even had his own teletech service which i think mm. is going to be possibly brilliant yeah the, the Portsmouth version of bamboozle turning up. I mean, I can imagine that the local news would have been, um, you know, there has been a mugging on the high street, uh, prices have gone up in yeah. the clothing shop, and Jimmy, your mum says you need to be owned by six or your dinner's going in the dock. <laughs> like, it's that small an area. <laughs> oh, it says, he, so, so I've got it here just quickly because, uh, you know, it says Fratton, 61-year-old robbed. Accident, elderly man struck by car, market expansion put on ice, and then there's one that just says turkey stolen, birds contaminated. <laughs> <laughs> then it gives you the weather report for what it's going to be like. So one of the news items is someone getting their Christmas dinner nicked. <laughs> yeah. Um, for any uh, overseas listeners who might be listening to this, Portsmouth is a not a huge town on the south coast of the united kingdom but it's where mark sloan founder of the fwa is from so that is why it is on portsmouth television should we actually talk about some wrestling yeah okay yeah. so episode one is june the 8th 2001 uh the first six episodes were all taped on may the 19th 2001 in Porchester Community Centre in Portsmouth. There were 19 matches taped on that show. Ooh, TNA. <laughs> and they also, as well as the six episodes of TV, they also appear to have got a two-hour commercial tape out of that show that contains some matches that were not shown on these TVs. <laughs> they taped so much. Um, we are going to be covering for the foreseeable for uh tv episodes per podcast if you think that sounds like a lot the longest episode is 27 minutes uh they did 30 tv episodes and then a one-hour wrap-up special at the very end which we will get to in due time the opening titles are lots of very red clips of flips power bombs dives clotheslines a bloke getting hit in the head with a bin all shot on the camcorders of 2001 in various leisure centers around the south coast <laughs> I, I, on my notes here kieran i would put it's very much filmed in high contrast i think <laughs> i think this was a i hope this was a post-production effect because if the white balance was off at all of these shows this badly i would never hire that cameraman again <laughs> I've put I love I love the intro of all the spots, Alex Shane, all the spots, the words of the name of the company, so it's like Frontier Blast, then for yeah. wrestling brass, then Alliance Blast, and it just keeps flashing on and off. Yeah. It's just just wild and the colouring of, of the entire show like looks like a lot of these people have jaundice at certain points. 
yeah, let's just say that uh, camera and editing technology has come along a lot in the last 22 years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, well, I was going to say the quality of the cameramen has as well, but that's not always true. <laughs> <laughs> when did, when did um, high definition come in? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm having a look here and it, it says, I think HD began in kind of late 2005, I'd say. Yeah, there have been kind of like um, experiments going on with it for years and years and years, but um, yeah, it didn't. It, it was long after this. Like the stuff I produced wasn't HD, and then the stuff I then produced again when I did more wrestling television was also not HD. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so your commentator, the voice of the Frontier Wrestling Alliance, is one Mark Priest. Uh, I'm going to destroy kayfabe here. Better known these days as Alan Boone. Uh, oh, fuck. No, oh, that's why I didn't like it. My God. <laughs> for, 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 former presenter of uh, Love the Graps. Uh, good old Alan. <laughs> oh, he gave me a headache the entire time. <laughs> hey, we're going to be very split here, Eddie. I'm on the good side of uh, of Alan. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that, that's fine but fuck me it was just annoying so many times there's so many things I've picked up where I was just like that commentary is annoying the shit out of me here Eddie have you ever sat through UWA Wrestling Rampage no but I'd happily do it if you want <laughs> just and then also I can hear like so when I'm hearing the commentary and I'm hearing this guy and then underneath it I'm like hold on a second here I can hear someone else doing commentary just yeah. underneath it yeah. yes. so we will get to that um, the uh, host Ross Gordon is Ross Gordon yeah uh, real name Ross Hutchinson uh, Andy and I have talked about him because he was involved with UWA when we when we discussed that show uh, he was a long time kind of hardcore fan he was a newsletter writer I knew him in the mid 90s um, he looked the same age here as he did in the mid 90s uh, in a suit he had borrowed off pick the largest wrestler on the show I think <laughs> You were like, I, I, I sent a picture of it to Arn, and I was like, who did this guy get this suit from? Because <laughs> he is all of, like, 5'5", five, five and he is drowning in this fucking thing. Probably Alex Shane's. Oh, when Shane, when yeah. Shane comes out, it's like, Jesus. I think he went into Burton's and went, give me two suits, but sew them together. <laughs> hey, hey, that would have been prime Burton's era. Like, it probably I, would. I, I, Ah, Jeff was like, but he getting all his stuff from Burton's at the time in that uh, in like the late nineties, early two thousands, and maybe maybe stolen from either, which was in, in rocks. So, in terms of TV production, they immediately mark their card with me by not cutting to the in-ring camera that Ross is actually talking directly into. So mm. every, all of this is shown from the hard cam. Ross immediately calls it the Frontier Wrestling Association. And he's out of sync. Um, he says the show is to run for 13 weeks, which is interesting, because they must have got an extension at some point if we're going to be talking about 30 episodes. Um, he also says, we're going to see some of the best British wrestlers we've ever seen. This is the 21st century. This is 2001. And then he gets it right and says, this is the Frontier Wrestling Alliance. Hey. They then cut to hey. a second camera that is not the one in the ring he is talking to, <laughs> apparently being manned by a drunk on the deck of a ship in a storm. <laughs> like, this, is, this bloke was documenting the Titanic going down, I think. 
there's someone at the top of the Titantron watching this looking so bored. I think Titantron is uh, is is giving it a bit too much weight. It's, uh, Sorry, it's big weight balcony. to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the so, balcony. Yeah, so this is a this is a small community center. They appear to have packed mm. it though. Oh yeah, and it also seems to have two balconies for a community center, which is weird. There's one <laughs> that the hard cam is on, and then there is a like another one that is above the what is being used entrance. as the entrance way. Yeah, and you can occasionally see some figures like watching from up there. <laughs> um, you can imagine a pun. You can imagine the promoter in the background. Use the other one. Use the yes, fucking other yeah. one. <laughs> If you're one of the people, and I know they're out there, who likes to take a shot whenever <laughs> I complain about white balance on a show, get the tipple of your choice out and have your first. <laughs> we are two different colour temperatures. Um, the hook for the first series of shows is going to be the tournament for the vacant FWA British heavyweight title. Uh, Ross Gordon runs down the brackets, and lads... We need to talk about these Photoshop 1.0 match graphics. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say, Microsoft Paint does a great yeah. job back in them days, doesn't it? Yeah. Jack Xavier making himself look so small in the graphic compared to big man Alex Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the first match, uh, Jack Xavier versus Alex Shane. Shane is using the same single professional photo he had had taken and would continue to use until at least 2005 when he started growing a beard. <laughs> is, it, is it the one where he had his finger over his, like, his stubble? Yes, yeah, he that's the one. Album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack Xavier's was apparently taken by his mum on whatever camera the family owned, and then it looks like he was cut out using using actual scissors to be stuck on this graphic. Uh, Solid Gold Scott Parker versus Guy Thunder. Again, Parker seems to have had a pro pick done. Mr. Thunder has not. Paul Travell versus Scotty Rock. Travell's picture is so dark you can hardly make out that he has a face, let alone who it is. And... Scotty Rock, not Scotty Rourke, as as is on the scene now. I didn't know they were two separate people until about a year ago. <laughs> Scotty Rock looks like sad CAW number six from something like SmackDown. Here comes the pain on PlayStation Two. <laughs> uh, and our final quarterfinal will be Jody Fleisch versus Doug Williams. Doug looks so big in this compared to Jody. It's taken as such a weird... So the shadow on his face makes him look like he's rocking like the same sideburns as Jordan Brakes. But it's been taken at such an angle that he looks really fat with a tiny head. Also, Jody's name is spelt Fleesh instead of Fleisch, and then they cut to a sign that calls him Jody Flash, just to add to confusion. <laughs> Well, it was, it was um, Geordie Flash in um, UWA, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. I think this was the first place he was actually using his given name. His real name is Jerome Fleisch. Right. Uh, and I think this was the first place he was actually using his real name. I don't know if he was Jody Fleisch in Hammerlock. Uh, but yeah, he was jo- Jody Flash is actually a better name, I think. Yeah. It's a better name than Jody German Meat, isn't it? It's a better wrestling name, isn't it? It's, yeah, anyway, I'm sorry, Jody. Love you. Um, for the British wrestling scene of 2001, that's a pretty solid lineup for a tournament, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of like people who can actually wrestle. Um, Especially I- when you got the as the main event, Jody versus Doug, it's like, yeah, the workers. Yeah. I think had I been close enough and known it existed, that might have sold me a ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 
background to all these match graphics appears to be a shot of a pretty packed looking Broxbourne Civic Hall, a venue we will be talking about a lot in later episodes. I did notice they had not bothered removing the giant head logo on somebody's backpack at the bottom of that photo. <laughs> so inadvertent advertising for head backpacks. Um, the hard cam goes wildly out of focus as it crash zooms onto Gordon's face and Alex Shane's music starts playing. What a surprise that he is the first man out on this show. Show. Yep. Show. Uh, our intrepid in-ring cameraman, who was, uh, we're going to be keeping track of this, Andy, this was uh, Kenny McBride, commentator of UWA on this camera. All right. Yep. Uh, hops out the ring and finally has his shot cut to as Alex Shane emerges with four bodyguards and four women. The shot, however, is so badly framed that of the six foot six inch Shane, all you can see is his head. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? With Alex Shane, he loved people in leather. <laughs> I, I've I've put down that I, I've put down the men from Can't Pay We'll Take It Away have arrived with some ladies, <laughs> and then show show Alex Shane is here. Is what is what I was going to ask Kieran? Is one of them bodyguards sticks? Yes. So. <laughs> Alex Shane, it was never the same four people as Alex Shane's bodyguards. They would rotate throughout the years. Um, yeah. And we will be covering a lot of them. Uh, but, yes, one of them is a very young Paul Sticks Grint. Right. So Alex does his full Triple H entrance uh, in a black vest and gold shorts. Um, he has uh, AS knee pads and AS yes. on one leg. Unfortunately, it is the same leg as the S knee pad, so his leg in giant capital letters just reads ass. <laughs> How intentional is that, Kieran? Oh my god! I can't be. Why would you do that? Um, I am one, gonna... one thing I will point out, Kieran, as yes. well. When they did filming coming into the ring, they took um, a shot of him from the back. That's exactly you know, what I was going to say. And you know what? He looked like Lars Sullivan from NXT. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this actual really nice shot of him. It's him from the back, but he's backlit by the spotlight. So it's his silhouette yeah. slowly raising his arms through the spotlight rays. Looks really good. That's the first good shot of the show. It's really nice. Yeah, I've got down here, you know, the, the cuts from the front and then to the back. It, yeah. it works so well. Yeah. Um, so as he would, would do a lot as a heel, uh, he yells at people to shut up, uh, tells us his name, calls the tournament a formality because he's the only one in it who should be champion. He tells FWA Commissioner Victoria de Montfort to find him an opponent to beat up now, and he says he'll get to the finals of this tournament, and you'll never guess what. There are two things that everyone else can do about it. See title of show. Nothing like it. Indeed. Nothing like it. Cut two, an office with lots of background noise and a lady in a tiny skirt, this is Victoria de Montfort, or, as it is spelled on screen, Victoria Demonfort, as they have yes, left the I've put that down. the middle. <laughs> I've put that down. I've called her... I, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot there was a de Montfort. I've just called her Demonfort the so entire time in my notes. So have I. So she is shuffling her papers with the belt on the desk. Uh, an unnamed man in an FWA T-shirt, who is actually Hayde Vanson, uh, who will be an FWA wrestler... <laughs> yeah uh, he arrives to tell her what's happening in the ring and she says fine get jack xavier to the ring which seems a bit unfair on xavier surely this works better if it's xavier coming into the office saying if shane's ready he's ready um back in the community center 
Xavier's music hits. Sadly, not his famous Jack Xavier, Our Savior track. That would come later. Um, and he comes out and he looks like shit. Well, I did put here and he looks like he's come straight from a Papa Roach gig. <laughs> he does. Oh, did yeah. he cut your life to pieces as well? Yeah. Is it his last resort? Unlike, <laughs> unlike Darby <laughs> Allen, he had to leave his skateboard at the front door. Um, I like the fan cam thing they did. That was so, not. That was quite decent, I thought. Would you like a bit of tech talk? <laughs> okay, so, fire away. When I was making FWA TV, there was not such a thing as uh, HD, but cameras had things in them called CCDs, Charged Coupled Device, which is the chip that powers the sensor if you like that the that captures the picture and these days they don't exist anymore they're outdated technology everything uses what's called a cmos sensor oh there's going to be people fapping themselves to death over this camera talk but in my day there were ccds and your your consumer camcorder at home had one ccd in it professional cameras had three ccd and if you wanted to get stuff on tv you had to shoot with three ccd cameras and I got this from LSR Cabrera himself. Yeah, two out of our three cameras were actual TV cameras, and we filled in with my camcorder, which was only a single CCD camera. So we got around it by calling it fan cam uh, to, to excuse the bad quality uh, and to excuse the shitty camera shots it would get. We just put it in the hands of anybody. This was nicked from ECW television. They would do this as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, That's quality. Yeah. That's so there we go. End of... Uh, but, but, so, but some, um, like with ECW, they'd actually release tapes, wouldn't they? Of like, oh, oh yeah. this is just yeah. a Because it, like, it, it mattered much less on VHS. Like, nobody's got a 55-inch 4K TV in their corner in this time. Big TVs in this era are 21, 22 inches, they're square, and they're CRT. I, th I think still in that era, Kira, my dad had a bloody Ferguson TV. In a wood box. Yeah. Uh, in a wood box. <laughs> you've showed me before that weird that weird switch you've got in the corner of your room for switching between yeah. like like the 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 community cable or satellite, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah still weird. there on the wall. Never seen anything like that in my life till you sent that to me. So yeah. uh, we were moaning about Jack Xavier, and you're right. Yeah, he's just come from Papa Roach. Uh, he's in a black t-shirt, black shorts, black trainers, looking scared of all the people in the aisle. He was. <laughs> never one for good gear but this is just man off the street the commentator talks about him because you're saying he was scared the commentator goes on to talk about a story about xavier looking like a rabbit caught oh, yeah. in the headlights yeah. and then goes on to tell people that he was behind the car and he killed the rabbit he ran over a like, rabbit yeah <laughs> uh so hey vanson has teleported from the office into the ring and he's the referee for this match in his black trousers and fwa shirt we don't have stripy ref shirts yet Alex Shane has the mic again, and he is appalled if this is the best the FWA can offer and gives him the count of 10 to leave the ring. I saw him do this routine a lot over the years. Um, he would always call him Jack Xavier as well. He was the only person in the company who couldn't say Xavier. Uh, so Jack gets to the ropes, thinks about it, and then comes back to the middle of the ring. And finally, after 40 minutes of recording, we are into our first match. Yay. Um. Yeah, so what do we reckon to this, Eddie? What you got? I gave it two stars. Um, decent slap. I've given so my review is decent slaps, arm drag, Shane heat, 
this commentator is honestly too much overkill. The enziguri that Jack Xavier does is beautiful. Mm. It's it's one of the best enziguris I've seen in a while. Um, the Shane Sation is awful. Fucking hell, that, yeah. So he was told a lot that he was too big to be doing stuff like that. Yeah. And he would keep doing it for far too long. Like, he is too big and too awkward to do it. Well, I don't recall it ever looking good. No, because the camera, the way I think they were trying to do it, the way it went on the camera was just, it just didn't work. It looked like, I don't know what you're trying to do here. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it just doesn't work, but... It it was decent for what it was. It was nothing special. Yeah. Um, yeah, the choke bomb was great. Xavier gets enough height on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and at the end, uh, Jack manages to duck a clothesline on the back elbow, runs into Alex Shane's one-night stand finisher, which is, if you've never seen it, it's the island driver. It's a fireman's carry into a Michinoku driver that at least 500 people were using as their finisher around this time. Um, Andy, do you have anything to add? Um... Not much, really. Um, Jack Xavier, he'd sort of become like the um, the proper undercard guy for the FWA ones. He was, he's very much their Mikey Whitrex. That's exactly uh, who he was Mikey kind of modelled on, yeah. I think yeah. Alex, he was from FWA Midlands, and I think Alex kind of had a bit of hand in his training as well. Like, Alex liked him a lot, and they would yeah. do a lot of, like, little programmes over the years. Um, but but it sort of works that um, that character in like promotions like the underdog yeah. baby face and seeing him grow and he's someone and what he's, have you. he is the guy who looks like everybody in the audience yeah and it would like, have been around that era like the new new metal era exactly that yeah all that yeah um, we then cut to Adam South uncharismatically interviewing the equally uncharismatic Guy Thunder in a noisy room backstage. I was um, thinking like the interviewer looked like um, a character from Randall and Hotkirk deceased <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in his uh, ill-fitting suit. Andy, <laughs> did you recognise Guy Thunder? Guy Thunder? Was that of Paul Sloan? No. It was Leon Murphy from the UWA. Leon Murphy, bloody hell. Yeah. I knew it was an egg. Ale- <laughs> yeah. Alex, Alex Shane's um, tag partner, weren't it, on um, UWA Wrestling Rampage? Yes, indeed. Uh, he is also a heel. He also calls the tournament a formality and says, when thunder strikes, lame jab, fake out at the camera, you don't get up again. And if that little Jezebel angel sticks her face in my business, something off camera goes ding, she could expect <laughs> to get it slapped right back out again. This was terrible. <laughs> I've put in the interviewer sounds and looks like a game show host and I've put up when Thunder Strikes you don't get up again because yeah, I thought that yeah. was just oh, wonderful. There's, there's an even better quote about Thunder later which I, like, had me pulling my <laughs> hair out. Um, Did he end up staying in wrestling? Or? I don't know, to be honest. Um, I can't remember why they got rid of him. My favourite ref's about to appear in a minute. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> so... This all leads into match number two, which is Guy Thunder versus Solid Gold Scott Parker. This is another of the tournament quarterfinals. Uh, I am trying to remember who else would use Guy Thunder's music in the future. It might have been any of the imports who came over and didn't bring their CD with them. 
Well, <laughs> uh, one of the great quotes for um, Scott Parker here, Kieran, is uh, yes. all the ladies love milk tray and also love Scott Parker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's kind of pushed as like a heartthrob baby face, isn't he? Yeah, they're very much putting... And then there's I've, I've put down here underneath versus who wants to take a walk in the park with Angel? And I'm just like trying to remember... <laughs> What that was mentioned so, again. We've mentioned Angel a couple of times. She is Scott Parker's valet. Yeah. Um, uh, Guy Thunder squares up to her during his entrance, prompting Parker to fly out of the ring and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you kind of mentioned earlier on, uh, Eddie, we can also hear Ross Gordon doing live commentary underneath Priest. Yeah. So... It's very distracting. So the story I heard was Priest and Gordon did the commentary live, but Gordon had to leave to um, go and do something we will talk about later. Um, and because he lived in Scotland, it was much easier just to get Boone back yeah. to re-record the whole lot by himself. And because it was cheap, you could just hear the, hear them on the hard cam initially. Yeah, yeah, because it was just it was it, it, over the time. I was just like, okay, what's what's going on here? Yeah, I think it's episode three where it really annoyed me because they have other people in doing comms with Priest. Yeah, and you can still hear yeah. Priest and Gordon yeah. underneath the commentary track. It's so distracting. I was thinking that they were doing it like, um, I mean, I went to a show, one of these like live American wrestling in. Mm. To Manchester, and you got the ring announcer doing like, "Come on, the baby face!" Yeah. And, it's, and what it, it, it's the All Star way. It's the All Star way where you have like yeah. the things commenting. I, I have only been to one All Star show in my life, and the main event was a battle royal. Um, one of the people who appears on this show was uh, dressed as Spider Man uh, under the name of Spider Mask on the poster, but very much Spider Man <laughs> in the building. Um, and uh, the, there were a whole bunch of heels in the, in the battle royal, and Spider Man and the uh, and Dean Allmarker in there as the baby faces, um, and uh, the the ring announcer is going, "Come on, kids, Dean, 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 Dean!" Just as he gets hurled over the top rope, over her head, and thuds on the floor, Dean, Dean, oh, Spider Man, Spider Man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's no surprise. But Hate Vance is no longer the referee here. Let, let, let's talk about that. Oh, about uh, who's your favourite referee then? By God, it's Steve Linsky. <laughs> <laughs> Another UWA alumnus is here. Yeah, so, so far we have had Ross Gordon, Kenny McBride, <laughs> Alex Shane, Guy Thunder and Steve Linsky as... As uh, former UWA uh, talent, pulling us on this around show. like a bad smell kid. <laughs> oh, he is—he is the putrid stench of British wrestling. <laughs> Just don't get him to deliver your wrestling ring. Yeah. So, uh, do, you, do you have any uh, fascinating insight on this one, Andy? Um, one of the best manoeuvres of this match is the spear through the ropes by uh, Guy Thunder, <laughs> the Thunder Strike. Thunder Strike! Um, I, I mean, B Big E Langston must have been studying them Guy Thunder <laughs> That's what I was thinking, was yeah. Yeah. It's, just, he was doing the spear. it's a very silly move that Big E, he would almost kill himself doing that on every pay-per-view. But Guy Thunder has less space to do it in here and somehow doesn't kill anybody doing it. <laughs> He's got like three feet. 
I think one thing we haven't mentioned already is mm. that it's it's that ring again, isn't it? The um, is yeah. it the Mark Sloan ring? Yeah, it's the it's the Mark Sloan ring. So the I don't know if they were there at the time, but when I would go to the FWA Academy, not as a trainee, I hasten to point out, um, it yeah. was on the same industrial estate as like uh, a metal workers, and he went to them and went, "Can you build me a ring?" So Sloan's rings were built differently to any other ring I ever put together in my time in wrestling. They were heavy as fuck, particularly the ring post. They filled the ring post with concrete so they wouldn't bend, which meant it needed like three people to carry them in. Yeah, um, but so he had some 14-foot rings and he had some 16-foot rings, neither of which are particularly big. Um, it was always terrible when we showed up to shoot TV and they had put the 14-foot ring in the back of the van instead of the 16-foot. <laughs> um, I, 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 I was just thinking then, Kieran, like when you were saying like they were filled with concrete, thank God Trent Seven were around then doing his bloody chop spots. <laughs> <laughs> say, thank God he isn't filled with concrete. He might be. We don't know. Um <laughs> Uh, what were we going to say about the ring? Yeah, but yeah, this is the, so we we you and I have already seen this ring on UWA Wrestling Rampage. We will yeah. see this this family of rings throughout the entire run of this podcast. <laughs> so get ready for two years of this ring. One thing I will say about uh, Guy Thunder is he's so improved from being Leon Murphy, and he? he yes. However, he is still not good. He's dangerous. He, uh, later on, very much so. There are some things he can do well. So he's got quite a nice power bomb. He's got quite a nice mm. frog splash. Um, yeah. But like, he can't do anything in between those things. The press slam, press slam. Yeah, mm. he can do that. Uh, so yeah, he hits like three or four pretty nice looking moves in a row. Completely fucks a slingshot plancher, uh, and then inside uh, Parker gets a. They do a whole series of reversals that include what I called the Hurricane Rana, uh, where I don't think either of Parker's legs were anywhere near Guy Thunder's head. Um, Thunder turns a gut wrench power bomb into a neck breaker, but gets caught in the golden arrow, which is quite a nice looking falcon arrow for the pin. Um, and nobody kicks out of the deal. No, nobody apparently not. Out of the deal. Uh, they did most of the big moves pretty well, but like there's there's nothing in the way of connective tissue. So it's actually pretty it's pretty fair for a 2001 TV match. Like you're not seeing an awful lot better than this on TV at this time, to be honest, unless I, it's, I think, I think one of my last lines is a decent five minute match of moves with a yeah. Z. And there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of those moves matches because the FWA was a moves promotion and they were having to do four to seven minute matches because they had to fit two of them on a 20 minute TV show every week. Yeah, uh, I've kind of put here is Guy Funder a hybrid of Ken Shamrock and Goldberg because that's the way he kind of comes across here. <laughs> Shamberg, um, yeah. Shamberg, yeah. Um, I gave this uh, in terms of like in the and the 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 ratings I'm giving this is in terms of TV and obviously what it's yeah. doing. Uh, it was a decent free. I thought the 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 purple moment to the Hurricane Rana almost killed one of them. They almost landed <laughs> right on their head. Um, but yeah, uh, that was. I thought it was quite decent for a match. You know, yeah. not the best match I've seen of the four, but we have to kind of frame this in terms of the time. I think like we are yeah. spoiled for television wrestling in 2023. 
very much not so in this era of 2001. Um, so mm. to round out episode one, uh, as Parker is celebrating, Doug Williams comes out of the crowd, rushes the ring, batters him with a piece of the lighting truss, uh, which would get used as a weapon many, many times over the years of the FWA. Um, it would actually hurt like hell if you got hit with it because it is metal. However, they were very light, those pieces of metal, so easy to swing. Um Priest says Williams is attacking Parker because he knows he'll have to face him in the tournament just seconds after he told us that Parker's next opponent is Alex Shane. <laughs> uh, Mark, Mark Priest saying goodnight the way he did. Just like, what? <laughs> we cut to a sparse credits list, uh, which is a Frontier production in association with Elizar Cabrera Productions and a credit for Rusty Music, who was who did all the all the theme music. This list, I noticed, would grow over the next three weeks <laughs> quite significantly. Um, so, June 15th, episode number two, we get a recap of last week's show with a finish and the anarchist attack. Uh, Priest says Parker's ribs are broken in six places, which I think is far too many at this level of professional wrestling. You know, you can get away with that bullshit in WWE, but here, like... I mean, how many do you have, like, how many ribs gone? <laughs> be dead. Six different places yes. from the recap. Yeah. Uh, his future in the tournament is in doubt, apparently. Entering the ring, also a UWA alumnus, Mo Chatra, former Power Slam writer Mo Chatra is here, and Priest is beside himself when his name graphic comes up as Capo Khan. <laughs> yes. So Capo Chatra claims to be a sports entertainment genius and says there's a couple of jabronis called Mark Sloan and James Teague. Teague. Yep. Uh, Priest quote-unquote corrects him to Tig, which is also incorrect. It's just Ty. Um, he wants them to come out and associate themselves with him, and he'll propel them to the top of the industry tonight, really, in a community centre in, in Portsmouth. <laughs> and British wrestling will soon see Sloan and Teague at the top. Uh, he says they'll be called The Establishment, and the three of them are going to the top. Have you seen how the name was spelled yes. as well? E-S-T. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where Bianca Belair got a gimmick from. <laughs> but I wonder what the E was for, because the S and the T could be Sloan and Ty, but it's like Mo Chatter and Capo Capo Can. Yeah, the establishment. Uh, I've I've put down here that James Ty has the Lance Storm look down. He very in much terms does. Of gear and yes, stuff. yes. Mark Sloan looks like Robbie Jackson from EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> Is Capo Khan supposed to be shit. Why would he not be wanting to recruit winners rather than two men he calls jabronis? <laughs> Why are they not two great talents who haven't been getting a fair shake in the FWA, even if they're going to be heels? Sloan's gear is the same here as it would be when I last saw him wrestle in 2009. And in <laughs> fact, I can't find any record of him wrestling past at the end of 2009. <laughs> He probably so he probably wore that same gear only when he were promoting Dragon Gate. <laughs> <laughs> what under his jeans and t shirt. Uh under his yeah. yeah. Listen, you never know. You never know when you always need bring to. your gear. Uh James's would get better. Here come the tag team champions, the new breed, Ash and Curve, also former UWA. Uh they yeah. were uh they were Joe Black and Phil Blend. Phil Blend, yeah, what a great name. Was it Joe Black? 
Joe Young. He was Joe Young, not Joe Black. It was it was Mighty Joe Young, not Meet Joe Black. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bill Blend was yeah. a regular character on UWA, weren't he? Yeah, well, they were they were proper jobbers. Uh, Priest says they have been the tag champions since the belts were introduced eighteen months ago. This is true. They won a four night one. Uh, no, they won a one night four team tournament over Guy Thunder and Alex Shane, Mark Sloan and Paul, Paul Travell, and Scotty Rock and someone I didn't write down. Brilliant. Good work, Kieran. Uh, <laughs> so they're the only actual tag team in the tournament. Also, they owned the physical belts. Those belts looked awful. One of the phrases they gave them, Kieran, was uh, one of the greatest teams in British wrestling history. We'll get into this. I have never understood how the new breed were so popular. They have never been good. I'm, I'm going to say this now, and it's going to come up a bit later, but I did find them quite entertaining in, in a promo that's coming up. Oh, you, can, yeah. you can definitely call them entertaining. You would never call them good. Um, <laughs> no, they're all. Those belts were terrible. They were They're shit. I remember the them. F- I remember yeah. seeing them in person. They were small, they were cheap, and they had an actual buckle on the back. They looked like one of those belts you would see on high spots that you would see nearly every promoter in the UK like buy one for their new company <laughs> that started up. But they went yeah. for the really cheap, shitty version. Yeah. So we get Mark Sloan and James Ty versus the new breed for apparently the tag team title for some reason. <laughs> this fucking match. Holy shit. So Sloan and Ty attack the breed at the bell and it goes better for Sloan than Ty. Uh, he flings curve over the top rope while Ash immediately blocks Ty's punch, clotheslines him and suplexes him. He gets nothing. Tie and Curve botch an Irish whip and then Curve can't quite figure out how to grapevine a leg. And then <laughs> Ash tags in and can't figure out how to hook an armbar properly. <laughs> curve hits something called Curved Air, which appears to be like a Genichiro Tenryu-style back elbow drop off the middle rather than the top. It looks terrible, but is described as one of the crowd's favourite moves. <laughs> it's like someone's falling out of bed, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, Ty is up before uh, he can get hit with a second he hits a shoulder breaker the worst divorce court of all time uh, landing on his own ass and barely pulling his opponent down Um, Sloan tags in and we're told we'll get to see his unique style of Rudo wrestling (laughs) I don't know what that means Um, oh god I've started a play by play but I cannot carry on this is just there is a moment in this fucking hell so <laughs> tie and curve are legal they both get to their feet for a double tag tie instead goes over to referee Hade vanson to distract him so he doesn't see the breed tag but it turns into a right mess as ash gets the tag comes in starts fighting Hade lets him do it for a bit then realizes he's supposed to chuck him out it is horrible um the commentator tries to cover this up Oh. Because he says he was dazed and confused and he went to the wrong corner. Yes. When really the guy was trying to hide the baby face pin. And I was like, I appreciate that. That, that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Curve takes down both heels with a double clothesline. And you think now would be the time for a hot tag. But no, James Ty is up first and slams him and goes to the top. <laughs> Curve wobbles into the ropes to crotch him and hits a top rope Frankensteiner as we go to break. And I wrote, holy shit, this is going through an ad break. This should have ended four minutes ago. 
it was a really nice WWF SmackDown 2 uh, break screen that they had, mm. which I thought was really nice. <laughs> um, I just appreciate the little things out of it. Because these are ripped from the commercial tapes that the FWA were put out, we don't actually get any of the ads, which is one of uh, the favourite parts of Andy and I reviewing uh, Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge and UWA. Uh, the only ads we get are their single frame um, still ads for an upcoming show. I think this one advertises July the 1st with the blue meanie on it. Yeah. Yeah, coming soon to Polchester. It's a blue meanie. <laughs> 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 Poor Blue Nini. Um, so they finally do their double tag as we come back from the break. Uh, and we cut to there's a cut to curve swabbing around on the floor to cover whatever the fuck Sloan and Ash were botching in the ring at that moment. <laughs> and it just keeps going. Sloan and Ty Woka work over Ash with, I just put shit. I didn't even list what they were doing. <laughs> Ash lands on his own head trying to do a slice break number two on Ty. One of them misses when they do total elimination. I've put total elimination shite and then just that at the end of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bad. finish is supposed to be a double cutter off the middle rope. Mm. But Curve, instead of going straight out, ends up turning sideways and pushing all of them into the ropes as he goes. Mm. Fucking hell. Ash pins tight and mercifully, this is over. I wrote. This is dog shit, but still possibly better than every UWA tag match Andy and I had to watch. Uh, the, the line I put, Kieran, as my summation of this match was mm. decent for 2001 Brit Rest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I curved a grade on fucking hell. In the case of me being the baby face, I will say. Decent angels wings into a DDT face out by Mark Sloan during the Sure. <laughs> Other than that, there were moves. Moves. Yeah. After this match, Sloan Liger bombs one of them. Uh, James Time magically gets to his feet after taking three devastating finishers in a row to suplex the other one directly on his head. And then Sloan and Ty shove down Capo Khan and leave. And he falls asleep. He basically is asleep the entire. He looks like he's sleeping <laughs> the entire time that they're about to get ready to do the van, the van breedinator as they call yeah, it. Yeah, this, like- this genius thinks it's a good idea to slap curve. So they punch him in the bollocks. These are the baby faces. They punch him in the balls, force him to hold chairs in place for a double van terminator. This whole episode is just shy of twenty five minutes long. All of this up until now took up 17 minutes of this fucking show. Broadway. Christ. <laughs> At the very yeah. least, we're told next week we're going to get Jodie Fleisch versus Doug Williams. Yeah, I was quite... I was, I was, like, I was like, oh, great. Palette yeah. cleanser. Yeah. Uh, I bet you were doing cartwheels, mate. <laughs> we get a backstage Doug Williams promo saying that what he did to Parker was just the star of Anarchy in the FWA. Uh, he is very shiny. He calls Flash Flash and says he's gonna he's gonna break him like the fool that you are. At least he's not talking about whipping him like a dog. So match number two, and I guess de facto main event: Paul Travell versus Scotty Rock. Another quarterfinal. Uh, Rock is introduced as quote. This is their words, not mine. The Fighting Gypsy. He's undefeated at fairgrounds. Undefeated at the fairgrounds. Yes. Very much like the uh, boxcar leagues, what um, Homer Simpson had to go through to face uh, Frederick Tate. I think, the, I think the last time I've seen a gypsy gimmick was in PCW, and it was, I'm pretty sure it was Cabret. 
it was um, Joel Cabret and um, who's now Sammy D, where they tried to sell a dog um, <laughs> during one angle. And they had an actual dog in the ring as well, yeah. It's like Flutter just yeah. watched Snatch for the first time and went, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> oh, do what you want, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Romania. Scotty Rock here is the FWA All England Champion, but also not the FWA All England Champion. What? Come with me on a side journey into the history of the FWA All England title. So, when you get a belt designed and made by Joe Marshall, Jamar, you are also sent a proof so you can look it over and approve the design. You may have noticed that the belt that Rock is holding is identical to the FWA heavyweight title, just in black and silver rather than gold. That's because it is the proof for the main belt, and if you were to get up close, it actually says FWA heavyweight champion on it. Standard practice was you went, yeah, that's great, and sent the proof back to Joe, and he would then reuse what he could and bin the rest. But with Sloan paying for the main belt, LSR Cabrera paid Marshall for this, and the FWA got a secondary singles title out of it. Genius. Is it very much similar to, um, what's it, Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge, where they used three different belts, but they were all the wrong belt? <laughs> no, that company, they just went to uh, the local trophy maker and just went, I'll have five of your best football trophies, please. <laughs> Not even your best, maybe your second best. <laughs> There was a company I used to go and watch that had a men's and a women's champion who suspiciously, the title designs were exactly the same, but you never saw both of them holding their belt together at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, this belt had been used as the FWA European Union title. Uh, and that was the secondary belt under the heavyweight belt. On October the 28th, 2000, stunning Stuart Fury defeated Lightning Lay and Rockin' Agony. I swear these are all actual wrestlers. Oh, we've lost Andy. I think he's dead. What? Rockin', Rockin what? Agony. What? Oh, I'm in Rockin' Agony. Um, he be Stunning Stuart Fury becomes the first champion somewhere in the Netherlands defeating these two. He would lose Stuart it. Stuart Fury's a bad name as well. My God. Stunning Stuart Fury. He oh would lose God. it the next day to Jody Fleisch in Portsmouth in another three-way, also involving Scott Parker. I can only find evidence of Stuart Fury ever having six matches and four of them were three-ways. <laughs> uh, so Rock allegedly won it from Fleisch on April the 14th, but I can't find any evidence of this as Jody isn't listed on cage matches wrestling that day. And Scotty Rock isn't listed on cage match at all he doesn't have a profile <laughs> so at some point over the summer of 2001 the eu title gets abandoned despite rock carrying it all over these tv shows it would go on to be revived as the european wrestling union european title that was basically then just traded back and forth between robbie brookside and flatliner for three years but with Rock still holding on to this physical belt on all this TV they taped, the FWA decided to tell the audience this was a gypsy fighting championship, won uh, by being undefeated on all the fairgrounds, and eventually we'll get to see it become the All England title, I think, in July or August. Incidentally, 
how Brexit, that a belt that previously represented the entire <laughs> European Union, now just represents England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, back from the side quest. Paul Travell is in hazardous mode here in some horrible tights. Mm-hmm. And as well, as well, Kieran, he's supposed to be a ladies' man, according to... Um, Paul Travell? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. He's a lovely man. Sorry. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, he is the sixth person in two shows to start his match in a black T-shirt or vest. <laughs> what happens? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Rock attacks him before the bell, and then the lights go out. Uh, uh, one, one, one note I did put here about the lights was um, they went obviously went out. They had to get a spotlight on <laughs> yeah. for a minute until um, the... Uh, until the electrician like um, got Alex Shane in a wrist lock to get his um, round and roll. I've got a jump start from the gypsy, the lights go out, technical difficulties, a spotlight is on, someone cut the wires. Which, you know, with Linsky in the background, you know, you can never be too careful. <laughs> Uh, so they have something resembling a wrestling match. I mean, what they do is all fine, I guess. Uh, this was the second match in a row where a man got crotched on the top rope and then his opponent brought him back in with a top rope Frankensteiner. Rock goes to bring a chair into the ring, uh, but Travell baseball slides it into him as he tries to get back in. He then collects his own chair and as they slide in with them, the lights go out again. On the fan cam... And with apologies to Days of Thunder, a large man appears. A large silhouette enters the ring and chokeslams both men. The lights come back up and we're told it's Dominator, Spirit of Instinct, and, quote, further members of the Dead Souls with pleasure on the outside. The only shot we get of pleasure practically goes inside the poor woman. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Where the Dominator goes, pleasure follows. And she has very little on. Yeah. And while this is happening, three men who are the very embodiment of 2001 heel indie faction with their long hair, shiny trousers, alleged occult leanings and Jeff Hardy shirts beat up the participants and then we just go off the air. Yeah. Alex Shane's dream, this, isn't it? <laughs> is, the, is this, I've put down, is this guy like a mix of the, the members of Demolition, The Undertaker and some big bulky lads? Yeah, it's a, I, to be honest, I don't know how long this lasts. So Dominator is a guy, I believe his name is Stu Allen, and he ran yeah. Extreme World Warfare, um, yeah. okay. who, as I mentioned earlier on, what seemed like three days ago, had some tie-ups with FWA. Uh, okay. So I guess he gets to be on FWA TV. Um, <laughs> I will say what was completely ignored is Spirit of Instinct does a really impressive cartwheel double spin kick in the middle of all this. Sure, the- instinct, did it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, the credits list has expanded. Uh, it says camera, Kenny McBride and Elisar Cabrera. Sound, Ralph Cardle, spelt wrong. Uh, production crew, Ross Hutchinson, John Farrah, Mark Belton and Mark Sloan. Any questions about any of those names, anybody? John Farrah, I've heard of that I've heard name. that name definitely yeah. before. Yeah, he uh, he and Steve Linsky need to go and have a chat. Talk about rings. Oh, will Linsky turn up? Good question. Uh, director Elisar Cabrera, and then a second page with all the same information as last time, plus credit for profile, sound, and lighting, whose phone number I may still have, because I used to have to ring them up and book them to bring the lights. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to say just quickly about the when they're during the uh, Sky Rock Paul Jarrell match. 
the, there's Gilbert chants. Apparently, all the people in FW are evil. And the way that uh, Mark Priest says Tope Suicida, couldn't stop laughing at oh, that. Oh, he says Suicida, doesn't he? Suicida! Is yeah. that what? Um, that, yeah, I thought it was a bit rich that they were chanting Gilbert at Scotty Rock when fucking Guy Thunder <laughs> is on the show. <laughs> <laughs> who just basically looks like somebody has stretched Gilberg. <laughs> he does a spear as well. Yeah. yeah. So, episode three is June the 22nd. Uh, we get a recap of the lads from Buffy the Vampire Slayer showing up last week. <laughs> uh, German kid versus the Dominator. But first, it is off to Commissioner Demon Fort's office where Paul Travell asks, uh, arrives to ask what's going on. He says the match was a no contest and he wants to know who advances in the tournament. Graduate of the Phil Powers School of Promos, Scotty Rock arrives and he is loud and he is angry. <laughs> One of my notes here is um, you can see when Scotty Rock's doing his shouty promo, is Paul Travell literally laughing his cock off. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be or not because because Demon Thought like makes makes reference to it, but yeah. Um, she tells them to find two partners each for a six-man tag next week. Why? Yeah, I don't get why that's resolving the problem of them exactly. both being eliminated. Why not just have them fight each other again or mix them up with another feud and say, oh, I don't know, oh, well, Jack Xavier and Alex Shane are also having issues. Why don't you each team with one of them and you can fight it out next week? Like, that would make much more sense. <laughs> Have we had Ken German's entrance yet? Because there's quite possibly one of the most awkward lines of commentary I think I've ever Go for it. Trust a German to get into a battle he can't possibly win. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When we get back into the ring, the match has already started. Uh, Dominator squashes German as the new breed arrive in the commentary booth. And I pretty much had to mute this. Um they mumble over the other commentary we can still hear from Ross Gordon, which yeah. seems much more prominent than the last two weeks. They call um, Dominator's uh, finisher the altar of pain. I did point it out. It's very much like um, a sniff of the pits in it. Just like, oh, I'll sniff him under there and like, <laughs> take him out. Okay, for, for anybody confused, it's a dragon sleeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, supposed yeah. to be a sniff of the pits. There's yeah. a bit during this where, because I've kept the commentary on, where the main commentator just goes on about how he doesn't like long hair on guys. What's this commentary by Masaki Mochizuki? What the fuck's yeah, going on? I was on? like, this is on TV. Why are you suddenly going on about, oh, I don't like long hair on guys? I'm just like, what? Yeah, very, very weird. Uh uh, Kid German botches getting into the ring, then botches getting clotheslined or doing a drop kick. They couldn't decide what it was. Uh, and then Dominator puts him in the Dragon Sleeper for a tap out that takes Linsky far too long to register because he's tapping with his hand on Linsky's blind side and he can't see it. Yeah. Uh, Linsky takes a shit bump over the top as the Goth boys all do the diamond cutter. This was a turd. Mm-hmm. We get a recap of the new breed beating Ty and Sloan last week and the double van. Daminator? No, it's a Van Terminator. I don't know why I wrote Van Daminator. Uh, is now called the Lynchpin on Chatra. Uh, we go back to Demon Fort's office as some 60s porno music starts playing. Get me the commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Khan arrives and moaning about being beaten up by the new breed. He gets in the fabulous line... I've been in the ghetto all week and they've been blazing me raw. They've been cussing me down. They've been saying I got my rear end whooped by a couple of jabronis. Fucking piss myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, he says he wants a chance to get back at them. Demon Fort says she'll grant the rematch if he can find a tag team. I'd fucking hope so. What else was he going to do? That's the whole point. I like how this reveals the commissioner doesn't even watch the show. Yeah. Just like, I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of her character is that she's entitled and she's doing all of this for herself. Like she always refers to them as my wrestlers. Uh, I noticed. So she doesn't, um, yeah, she's supposed to be like a, a bit entitled and a bit above all of this. And is just sort of doing it as a way to forward her own career. Apparently not that far from the truth. Was she in, um, in the business long or was she a wrestler? Um, I cannot remember. Victorian. Oh, hang on. I'm not searching up Demon. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria Dodd Researcher Eddie yeah. is on the case I do seem to recall she was an actress That Elisar knew right? Um, and was just sort of doing it So she had some some tape to show people Personally I wouldn't show this to anybody <laughs> I would I would hate this I would go nope this didn't happen No I can't find anything uh, Mo tries to get her number and she chucks him out We cannot yeah. possibly do justice to the level of acting In this segment <laughs> in particular He's wonderful though. He's wonderful acting. He's great. Call. He's box office. I like him. You uh, you you sent us uh, uh, a DM about the the lovely stationery she has in her office. Yes. You're a big fan of the folders in I'm the a background. Big fa- I'm a big fan of the uh, the the building site uh, office that they normally have in that. But that she's uh, they've they've commandeered to film wrestling in. It is just the office in the uh, in the community center. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, a new ad in the ad break, July 29th at the Pyramid Centre, uh, with the blue meaning. <laughs> Match number two, Jody Flash versus Doug Williams, tournament action. Jody is audibly announced as Flash, but his graphic still says Fleesh. Uh, we're told that with Rock and Travel going to a no contest, the winner of this gets a bye to the final to waste the w- face the winner of Scott Parker versus Alex Shane. Mm. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag early. I thought this was really good. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I thought this was really good. They set up Jody like straight away as like the agile baby face who won't back down. Um everything they do looks good. This this is a cut above everything we've seen so far. It's um, the best it's the best uh, match of the the TV show so far. Yeah. I definitely. said uh, he gets the best pop of the episode. Um, yep. Yep. there's a lot of the stuff is very crisp and obviously clearly they've worked together probably numerous times and stuff yeah. like that and had the idea of it um, yeah this is the best match I, I, I said I enjoyed it really much yeah um, so it really kind of heats up uh, so Jody gets Jody's getting uh, out wrestled by Doug um, he gets a hope spot with a thrust kick into William's throat in the corner uh, when he leaps up to the top William shoves him off and Jody takes what I call the full Van Dam into the railings and over them into the front row hmm. uh, he tries to come back with a springboard off the rail into the aisle but Doug moves and Jody hits the barrier on the other side and then William spends a good 30 seconds just pinballing him off every guardrail he can find <laughs> Fleisch takes some of these incredibly hard. Like, they don't move when he hits them. <laughs> well, he's good at selling them as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He manages to backdrop Doug into the crowd, hits a springboard flip dive off the barrier onto him, uh, and then back in the ring, he hits a springboard runner for a near fall before getting a drop balls first on the top rope and brought back in with a hard back suplex for a two count the other way. Uh, Jody turns a German suplex into a Casadora clutch for a two count. Uh, Williams avoids a tip up in the corner and plants him with a German, but again, Fleisch kicks out. Uh, 
Jody dropped Ho-Ho's Doug into the middle turnbuckle and connects with a top rope dropkick so high, it looks more like M. Bison's head stomp than a dropkick. He is practically yeah. vertical when he makes contact. Mm. Well, one, thing, one thing I did want to know from this match, Kieran, was like yes. the, um, the, the two over-energetic lads in the front row. I wonder if they ended up being like proper regulars at so, shows. And- um, the where you see the hard cam, you'll notice a section either side of the aisle. Most, if not all, of those people were FWA trainees. Ah, right. One of them I can identify as uh, going on to be a wrestler. Uh, I believe, so the young lad in the front, as you look from the hard cam on the left side, in the front yeah. corner of that section is uh, a fellow with uh, quite distinct bleached blonde hair. Ah, uh, yeah, he, he stood, he absolutely stood out. I do believe he went on to wrestle as QT McFluff across the, the UK. <laughs> Andy, better or worse name than Rockin' Anarchy or Rockin' Agony or whatever the fuck it's called. I, I think that's better than Rocky Anarchy, I yeah, would say. That's yeah. better than I think I was going to say, I've, I've got it here. I think decent mat work from the both of them. Mm. But again, I put what do you expect? It's probably the two best guys in the company in terms yeah. of wrestling yeah. terms. I think an underrated part of Jody's game was that he could actually wrestle. So people would mm. go and see him for the flips. And to be honest ring psychology i don't think was ever his best thing but in terms of like the mechanics of wrestling and being able to actually wrestle as well as do the flips mm. he's he was very very good well yeah. you can see sort of like two like two years before this in uh, in uwa like the potential was there wasn't it with yeah well, especially they kind of they used him as a job and i remember seeing a thing with stevie knight where he said so uh, i don't know if you remember andy like uh, uh, jody's first match on that was as a replacement for doug williams in a match with stevie knight and he got squashed yeah. yeah knight was told don't give him anything and stevie was like no have you seen him he is really mm. good i'm gonna let him hit me with a couple of impressive things and he did and then beat him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he is. He's more of a. I don't know. We're going to big side tangent about Jody here. I don't know if he was ever the finished product. He was always a little raw around the edges. Did any company ever properly get behind him though? In like a big, big way. FWA tried to. There were. There were things we will get into later on in this podcast that kind of stopped that, um, but he they put the they did put their title on him for all of 12 days um and i think he was figured to be something going forward but i i don't know he's he's one of those um i'm sure he's had a fine career that he's happy with but i think yeah. he he has never truly lived up to the potential that a lot of other people saw in him fans wrestlers and promoters alike he could, he could have been so much more than he actually was, I think. And I don't mean that as a knock on him in any way, even though it may sound like it. And I think if you if you well, if you take that now to maybe twenty twenty three and the style he was working, say nineteen ninety nine doing all them flips, he like six months later he's doing tours of America because the like the demand is there from like a UK talent to go over there. It would be like Leon Slater, for instance. He he'd be 
Very he went from, uh, I mean, he went from UWA to Michinoku Pro. Yeah, they mentioned like, this in the commentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyhow, uh, this this finishes up when uh, Jody unfortunately misses a shooting star press, uh, and Williams strikes with the Revolution DDT that unfortunately had very little revolution to it for the pin. Um, best match of the series so far, maybe the best match Andy and I have watched in all of our TV reviewing. This was better than anything we watched on UWA. No, no, it's not. It's not Big Papa T versus Under. <laughs> on so was there not enough scrapyard in this for you? There wasn't. <laughs> this match is twenty-two years old, and it wouldn't look remotely out of place on any modern show. Killer stuff yeah. for two thousand and one show in a community center. I agree with the lad who says we should have no more free sixteen signs. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, like this was. Yeah, this was really good, like really enjoyable, mm. quite a good watch. I said, you know, it was the best thing I've seen so far in, in the four episodes, four episodes we've watched. And yeah, it is again. It's it's just showing these are the two guys that the company needs to get massively behind. Mm. But, if I saw this match on my TV, I would tune in for next week's episode. It's that simple, and we'll probably try and get to a show. To be honest, um, yeah. I don't know if I'd say that after the new breed match. <laughs> You'd be walking out like Karn, giving it the middle finger to the <laughs> <laughs> uh, So even though he lost, they try and give Jody a bit of his heat back. So Williams tries to beat him up after the match, but Jody gets a chair and clobbers him. I don't know if that was strictly necessary, but I kind of understand if they want to keep him strong, if they think they're going to do something with him. There's a bit where he, hit, he hits Doug with the chair. Doug's on the ground, and then you see Doug get back up with the chair. And he just looks really angry, and he's just shouting with a chair, like, "Come on, like, fight me!" <laughs> if you were hit on the head with a chair, you'd find one of your own and start shouting. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, just I love the abuse. He's like, it's just, it's just <laughs> great screen grab. And so, Frontier Wrestling on my TV, episode four, June 29th, two thousand and one. Paul Travell is having a little stroll through the back of the community centre when he is attacked by Scotty Rock and two unnamed goons. I'm going to name one of them. It's James Ty. The other one is in horrible solid blue tights, and we'll find out who he is later on. I, I did point a attack by Rock, Pebble, and Rubble. <laughs> <laughs> God, the Flintstones have turned heel. Uh, our first match is Guy Thunder versus Gary Hayward. <laughs> Oh, Ooh, Gary yeah. Hayward. Didn't they make um, like pickles and what have you? Yes, the heir to the pickle empire, Harry A. Uh, Harry, I don't know what his fucking name is. Gary Hayward. Gary, Harry Hayward. Yeah. Um, Darts champion 1994, Gary Hayward. <laughs> he may well have been. One of my first lines here was um, Hayward with um, a forehead, and McPartlin would be proud of. <laughs> He may well have been a darts champion because the the I can find out very little about him. The earliest I can find on him is wrestling on the first FWA show uh, on on FWA one in nineteen ninety nine, and the latest I can find is him working in an academy show, an FWA academy show in April two thousand and two. And no wonder he wasn't around much if he was taking stuff like he took in this match. <laughs> we will we will get to that. I've confu- I've confused and, and confuzzled myself, so I'm going back to the start. Hayward attacks Thunder as he steps through the ropes and clotheslines him. Thunder no-sells that and a rocker dropper. And then, my reason for my confusion, I got distracted by the commentary. Yes. This is verbatim. 
When lightning strikes, thunder's not far behind. And just like thunder, Guy Thunder strikes silently and deadly. Boom, boom. The rain that follows thunder looks like the tears in Hayward's eyes. (laughs) Eddie, what is one thing we know about thunder? One irrefutable scientific fact about thunder. (laughs) It's not... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be really dumb and say I don't know why don't you tell <laughs> Do you have any guesses, Andy? Do you wanna help him out? <laughs> I, I I'm just thinking the song when the sun shine after the rain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that with the, with the words thundering. When okay. has anybody ever known thunder to be silent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime I just hear thunder now, I just keep thinking of ACDC. <laughs> also, not quiet. ACDC not known for being quiet. <laughs> Their singer had to retire because he was going deaf and couldn't hear the rest of the band. I've just put here that Hayward just tries to hit Guy with all the smackdown shut your mouth finishing moves that just don't yeah. get no they just the guy just no sells and then he just hits Thunderstrike. Yeah. <laughs> uh he hits yeah, so Thunder hits a power bomb, something else I couldn't be asked rewinding for, and the crazy spear out to the floor. Hayward is not as lucky as uh, Scott Parker. He smashes the back of his head on the railings. Mm. Um so Alex Shane and his gang of goons wandering to the aisle and I noticed for the first time one of them has a cracking mullet he's tied back <laughs> Thunder hits a top rope splash a fireman's carry neck breaker and cloud burst the most dangerous vertebraker <laughs> slash cop killer you have ever seen Jesus fucking poor Gary Hayward practically had his chin in his belly button when he hit the mat oh god <laughs> 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 Thunder did nothing to hold him up. You're supposed to, like, grip your opponent's arms tightly to your sides. So, like, I have seen, admittedly they're related, I have seen Cody Rhodes hit this so gently on Dustin. This... We 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 watched it together in uh, in, in the musty matches. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fucking... He he gently drops him down. Yeah, this, this does not happen here. No, this was like Gary Hayward owed him money. Do you remember? Uh, we keep referring back to UWA. Do you remember uh, Leon Murphy versus Mad Dog McPhee, where they had clearly had <laughs> yeah. a disagreement backstage, and Thunder shoot punches McPhee, no sells yeah. everything apart from his finisher, and then pops up at three point one and chases him backstage to beat him yeah. up again. <laughs> yeah, Th- this this one. And I know to go back to a, a, an earlier job, but literally Hayward was uh, pickled, weren't he? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. This was... Christ. <laughs> so that, that finished just so violent. Um, but, but, he's, but he's proper, like, indie moves at the time, and, like, you know, d- they probably saw stuff off, like, tapes from... It's tapes and mid- video games. Mid- yeah, Midwest. Mm. Midwest America. Oh, I've seen, th- seen this yeah. on a... <laughs> fucking backwards showing uh, in the middle of nowhere in America in front of 10 people. I'm like, I'll do it this weekend. How do you fancy taking it, Gary? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Bang. doesn't get a say in the mar at all. No. 
No. So uh, Shane does the I am very tall ring entrance of stepping over the top rope, only the ropes are very tight and he's not actually tall enough to do it. So it's a bit of a struggle. And when they snap back up, you can see that they're chest height and he probably shouldn't have done this. Um, Poor Gary Hayward. His night is not over. He gets close lined. Uh, the crowd get called morons, uh, and uh, Shane offers Guy the position of his head of security. Two years ago, you were ditching him as your tag partner because he was boring. <laughs> <laughs> Can I also notice the microphone in everyone's hands here looks so tiny? Well, particularly... So, Alex Shane has got big hands, and Guy Thunder is wearing Goldberg gloves, which always make the microphones look small. Um, yeah. Thunder proves that he is indeed boring by lifelessly saying the only thing that the only thing it looks like the show stealer has stolen was a plate of cakes backstage. Um, And he turns down the offer after insulting him, gently hands him the microphone back. uh, And Alex says, fine, no hurt feelings. Let him go. Uh, And as Thunder gets amid the security, Alex gives them the signal for them to jump him. uh, And Alex then beckons the camera in so we can see that he is incapable of spitting as he lamely drools on Guy Thunder. (laughs) Eddie? Yes? Did you enjoy this next segment? Was this the bit that entertained you? Wade's were part of jab jab. (laughs) Would you like to tell us about Breed TV? Oh, God. I, I'll i be honest, I still don't know which one is which. It's not, it's uh, not the only thing you've been involved with, Eddie. No, at least this one didn't book me in a cave and give me an illness, you know? So, um... Uh, don't worry, I'm still waiting for that phone call, Mitch, if you want to pay me anytime soon. Um... This is not a shoot interview, come on. Uh, yeah, this... Um, yeah, it's um, it was re- it was like so it's like it was new breed TV. It was, it was like Wayne's World. It was like they were they were attempting like the TV show from Wayne's World. Yeah. Um, and they're like Capo Can, more like Capri Sun. And I, I was like, this is it. Yeah, I'm enjoying this. And then they're like reliving how they uh, beat up um Capo Can, kept making fun of his name. Uh, then they had him as a womble, and he was yes. beaten up by Batman as Superman because it couldn't be shown because it was too violent. Yes, they say the real footage is too violent, uh, but they have their imaginations, and they yeah they gather up. <laughs> so they've got a wrestling ring in front of them, and, and yeah. a toy ring, and a bunch of toys. Um, uh, Batman could be Ash, Superman can represent Curve, and the womble with quote its big nose and gormless expression can be Mo, uh, and then they have the figures like reenact all this in the ring. Um, the next bit was very confusing. <laughs> this bit gets a bit weird. This is where they go, like, because they're talking about the tag team that Mo's going to, that Capo's going to bring. It's apparently from Mexico. Well, and they put up a picture of Che Guevara. So, <clears throat> you, no, they do not. No, no, no. Hold on a second. I thought there was one with Che Guevara. So, firstly... Oh, um, Enigma. Sorry. They say they don't know who next the next team will be, <laughs> but Curve knows someone who does, and it's their, their former spiritual leader, Enigma. All right. Who is not there, and I have no idea who that is. Uh, but Curve has a, a gothic glove puppet with a question mark yeah. on it to represent Enigma. <laughs> and the puppet tells him the new team are, quote, from Mexico or somewhere like that. And the picture he holds up does indeed say Che Guevara on it. It is a picture of Noddy Holder. <laughs> I got that. And Ash he- says, it can't be him, he's dead. <laughs> The puppet then holds up a second picture, this time of Jennifer Lopez. Uh, mm-hmm. And when Ash asks who her partner is going to be, the puppet tells Curve they'll be very strong and produces a photo of Jeff Capes. So, Ash, <laughs> they decide their next 
opponents were going to be Jennifer Lopez and Jeff Capes. Ash is having none of it and ends it by saying, it doesn't matter who Khan brings, they're the golden boys of the FWA and they'll beat them. When he's talking, when he's doing the voice of Enigma, he keeps doing like a noise. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can do the noise, but yeah, he does his, he does his weird little squeaky noise. Uh, I have seen a lot of head shaking going on in the Ogden living room. Do you have any thoughts on this, Andy? Terrible. Um, the stuff with the toy ring and everything bloody hell I used to have my own wrestling promotion when I was about 8 with my toy ring they probably did too but they were 25 yeah no I I was still booking when I was 25 trying to get the uh, transformers (laughs) over the Ghostbusters Um, (laughs) my god terrible absolutely terrible that's all I can say I actually quite enjoyed this. Yeah. I'll I'll give him this. It was a good, it was at least a backstage angle that didn't seem stilted, you know, like what the uh, the Montfort chat thing was. It felt natural. It felt natural. I feel like those guys are comfortable doing that and having that kind of thing, whereas everything else I think we've seen feels very much like a porno or well, movie yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it was different so it wasn't the bad porno acting skits and it wasn't just another wrestling interview or promo it was a different way of getting over their characters however mm. i wrote in all caps where is this chemistry when they're wrestling because they <laughs> yeah. wrestle like they met that day every <laughs> single match however this they bounced off each other they're good comic timing some of it I thought was actually genuinely funny. Apparently, I have heard that they uh, they get less funny um, and start oh, to no. outstay their welcome a bit. But oh. at, like as this first one, I quite enjoyed. Let's see if anybody's opinions change on this as we go forward. <laughs> Generally, we, as we know, Kieran, that uh, most promos take take place in the toilet, don't they? <laughs> I forgot UWA oh, promo God. bog, yeah. At least you've upgraded like promo bedroom. Yeah, you've got the UW promo bog, and then you've got Victoria de Montfort's, uh, you know, office. I Porno guess. office, yeah. Porno office, yeah. Bow, bow. We get a recap of the commissioner setting up the six man last week, and then Rock's team attacking Travel at the start of the show. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to Scotty Rock, James Ty, and Five Star versus Paul Travel. Jack Xavier and Jody Flash. This is where I hate the commentator. This is where I this is where I begin to despise them very much. So. Okay. Do you want to expand now or when we get oh, to, to as as it goes on when we go to the match, okay, okay, okay. there's there's a lot. Okay. So uh Commissioner Victoria has sadly been allowed into the comms booth and is stinking up that joint. <laughs> Three people in this match are wrestling in black t shirts, and this is Jody's era of having a matching singlet to go with his shiny flappy trousers. Five Star is otherwise known as Five Star Flash or Mark Five Star Belton. He is from K-Star Wrestling in the Midlands. I thought he was new to the company when he showed up on the 2003 shows I worked. And until watching this, I had no idea he had been in the company beforehand. (laughs) His gear would not get much better. One man in this crowd is very upset by Scotty Rock. Yeah. He was fuming over the barrier. Good Lord. I thought there was going to be an actual incident for a moment. Yeah. So Rock and Travel start out with some fast-paced stuff, ending when Travel hits a spine buster but mits, uh, uh, misses a middle rope elbow. 
Five star tags in and hits what I could only call a flying something off the middle rope. I think it was supposed to be like a hurricane runner, but he ends up just uh, wrapping his legs around Travel's middle and they just sort of fall to the ground. Uh, cuts of the crowd to very obviously edit something out. Uh, and then Travel hits a wheelbarrow suplex as a double tag, and suddenly it turns into Toriumon with loads of flying and lucha tag rules. <laughs> yeah. Jody Fleisch hits an incredible running, hands free springboard moonsault on Ty. It was yeah. so nice. Uh, Rock takes his head off with a springboard uh, top rope drop kick. Uh, and then flattens Ty and Xavier with a flip dive. Travel leaps onto the pile with a top rope crossbody, and then Firestar um, hits a springboard twisting something. Jody finishes it off with a springboard flip dive. I, I did put here, Kieran, like um, it was um, a springboard roly poly. <laughs> the two of them, pretty much. Jody's probably the best springboards I think I've seen, and and that includes yeah. probably modern day as well. That he hits a. Spring, a springboard to spinning heel kick at some point yep. and it's yeah, incredible yeah uh, Ty and Xavier press the reset button with a lock up they do some rope running stuff that they're not quite good enough to do yet Jack does a quite an impressive blind reverse leapfrog off the middle rope though uh, kicks Ty out to the floor uh, Rock and Travel drop each other with clotheslines Fleisch flips through a belt and monkey flip but Five Star flips through Jody's Hurricane Rana which I thought was quite impressive and I don't recall having seen before um Takes him over the head scissors before getting knocked out the ring with that springboard spinning leg lariat you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, Ty comes in, sets Jody up for a superplex, but gets pushed off into a Travel T-bone. Um, gives Travel no help going over and just gets deadlift T-boned. Travel hits a great T-bone from not only this match but in the match before his T-bones are cracking. Travel, for a, a a small slim guy, was oddly good at some power moves. Like his spine buster is cracking as well. Mm. Um. So. Uh, this all happens. Fleiss then goes for the shooting star press and scores the pin. There are two major problems. Number one, Jody lands entirely on James Ty's face. Number two, Jody dislocates his own elbow when he lands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Xavier and Travell celebrate extremely quickly and then sprint to the back as we fade to the credits. Um, yep. We talked about the commentary running underneath the actual commentary and uh, the reason there is no more Ross Gordon on this show is he had to take Jodie Fleisch to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty unfortunate way to end the last show we're going to be talking about. Yeah, there's more names added to the credits, as you can yeah, say. there are indeed um, uh, uh, names such as Tom Lancaster, who longtime wrestling, uh, British wrestling fans will know. Uh, and Mark Peter. Do you know who that is? No. Mark, Mark what? Peter. Peter? P-E-T-A-R. Um, they, were they in the FWA? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Um, are they famous? <laughs> no. Mark Peter was the man who ran Strong Style Tapes, who almost got Frontiers of Honor called off because he was selling Ring of Honor tapes under the desk right <laughs> next to Rob Feinstein and, and um, the other fellow whose name I can't remember. And when they found out, they went fucking ballistic and threatened to pull all their talent from the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there we go. Um, I'm going to start with you, Eddie. What do you reckon? How do you feel about this company after watching four episodes of their television? 
Oh, um, I, I enjoy it. I think there's there's some stuff there. Um, there's some stuff I don't like at all. Mm. Um, we can bin Mark Priest. Um, just purely, as I said, I was talking to that six man. He keeps being really weirdly creepy towards Victoria de Montfort, talking oh, about God. mirrors and rooms. And he talks about, yeah, he talks about sneaking into her dressing room and selling Polaroids on eBay and selling stuff he nicks from her on eBay. Yeah, and then saying like he's exposed to her, but not in a good way. And I'm like, oh fuck, where it's, is uh, this? It's very 2001, isn't it? It's very like I think from the entire time that he's that we've watched these, is he is he is he a heel? I'm assuming he is. Mm, I don't know. It's yeah. Um, I was going to get into it in, in in what I wrote, but I definitely think he would be better with someone to bounce off. So he yeah. can decide if he's Tony Schiavone or Bobby Heenan because he's trying to be both. I kept thinking when you heard the commentary underneath, I was like, is that someone who's doing the same commentary beside him and they've just edited <laughs> out for some reason or something? What, like the, the, when WWE uh, didn't want to pay Jesse Ventura and just removed him from old WCW <laughs> <Yeah>. footage. <laughs> so Jim Ross talks to himself <laughs> for 20 minutes on the Sting and Vader match. Yeah. and it, But it's just like, it's like trying to do like a Joey Styles one man thing, but yeah. having like an agenda and a gimmick. And it's like, it just doesn't work because as you no. say, you have no one to balance off. There are pieces I've seen and there are characters I'm interested in. I'm interested mm. to see in the journey of Paul Travail. I'm interested in Jody and I'm interested in the you know, the new breed to see how this all goes. Um but and there's some decent stuff. It's it's not it's not awful, but it's not, you know, the best. Um Is it interesting enough to keep doing this show or do I have to replace you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I will no, I know it did definitely i'm i'm very much sold on it. i think as i said there's some good stuff in it I'm, mm. i've tried to just search www.paultravel.co.uk that website doesn't exist anymore i so, would imagine you know. none of the websites you see <laughs> on this show exist anymore um but yeah i, I thought yeah it was abrupt way to end your tv show obviously kind of on a somber note as well it's slightly um, unfortunate yeah but yeah I, I very much uh i'm still on board the fwa train and i'm really curious to see where this goes awesome andy how about you um i think for myself uh, with the episodes being like 20 to 25 minutes i thought we were a godsend mm. Wait, quick absolutely yeah. quick i'll take um, this over three hours of raw <laughs> yeah oh you would any day mm. um i think for me they needed more promos and introducing characters. It yeah. just yeah. felt like the person turns up to an office, has a go at um, De Montfort, and there you go. That's a character. The only character, apart from, you know, New Breed playing with the wrestling figures, I think the only character who you knew straight away was Alex Shane. He, what a surprise. Got, <laughs> what a surprise, yeah. He got over as, like... This this fella's the main baddie. Mm. He's got his goons in leather coats. Um, mm. He was the one who, you know, instantly to the viewing public, you'd say he's the star. And I will say, bloody hell, he's bulked out since um, since UWA. <laughs> he, got, he, just, he looks huge. Yeah, um, can't, I, can't, I use him, can't use him to clean out the drain pipe anymore. Well, yeah. But I, mean, he's, I think his promo skills are still as he's very much um, a nineteen ninety nine two thousand acts from WWE into 
straight from there. <laughs> and would continue to be for quite some time. Yeah, I think you're right that one of the weaknesses is we have clearly been dropped into an ongoing company rather than starting something. Yeah. So having yeah. the tournament is a good hook to start something. We are guaranteed we are going to get a new champion. However, yeah. this is very obviously something that is ongoing and we've just been dropped into and it's basically been left up to the commentator who is struggling to be heard above another commentator to explain yeah. who everybody is. And although the 25-minute episodes are easy to watch, if you're trying to get two matches in, that doesn't leave a lot of time for the promo stuff to get characters and personalities yeah. over. Probably needs another five, ten minutes. I will I will say on um, Mark Priest, um, Alan Boone, um, I, I did say I did say to this when I when I first met him, you know, quite a few years mm. ago at a progress show, and 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 happened to see one of his um, one of his FWA shows. I thought it's very, it's very good how you can do commentary on your own for like as one person. It, I mean, buddy hell, I did it once with uh, with our Jeff at Idol Wrestling, and God, it were hard then for like three hours. But never mind. Like if you if you if you're on your own talking mm. to yourself for like god knows how long it's 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 hard it's much harder than you yeah but that was with jeff would that have been easier on your own <laughs> oh no Je jeff was um Je jeff was very good i will say he did fill in some gaps on that uh, which is on <laughs> youtube <laughs> that. but no i i think personally i think he did um, a very good job and it so i think some of the lines he were coming out with what i did here was very much my probably my humor or jeff's humor very sarcastic sure, sure. um which is very is very much to my taste um as a, as, as a wrestling product i think god it in half a step up i think there's some very good yeah. workers on the show um i'm surprised guy funder is a leon murphy because <laughs> really my god he's absolute dog shit on uwa but now <laughs> we, well, there's no guarantee he's gonna get that much this. better well he's turned up as this murderous killer who does spears and um cop killers so um i'm interested <laughs> to see um when jody and doug turned up i was like right let's get down to business now they, these are the two uh, two probably best wrestlers in the company and they they probably will be for the next um few years of fwa at that time for me for me overall enjoyed it looking forward to more more 20 minutes please thank you something to potentially knock you on your ass andy this aired only one year after transatlantic wrestling challenge think how different these two products are think how much more fresh and modern and current that appears mm. this appears to be than that well, that's that. That's the sort of thing because this is sort of like hidden away on a a lower level mm. local TV station. Yeah, they haven't got like I I they've not got like people higher up saying no. This no, is what I guess not. No, I guess they can they can just yeah like gladiators like what Transatlantic yeah. did. Yeah, I um, guess they can just make their UA, show and put it on TV. Yeah, yeah, UWA would do, and mm. maybe in like World of Sport later on when ITV relaunched that. Mm. Um, I, th I think you know what? Not not too bad. Looking looking forward to see what uh, see what happens. 
Well, bad news, Freddie. If we do the podcast at this pace, uh, you only have a seven more months of Mark Priest commentary to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) And and listen, like uh, you know, to each their own. There's just some parts of it where it was just. You know, I get where he was coming from, and I get the commentary. And yeah, it, it is probably extremely difficult doing a one-man commentary job mm. and stuff like that. Respect for that. It was just some of it was just like I just didn't. If I was someone watching that as a casual person watching that, I'd be kind of like, eh, I'm, I'm not sure about this. Mm. Um, I just think, as I said, there was you know, like going back to it just again, not the commentary, just the entire thing. Yeah, there would be like there needed to be a bit more kind of who are these people and and why Mm. should we care about them and stuff like that not enough promos it was kind of just almost in essence jumping you into something that you were you know that you were kind of we'll explain who all these people are but these who all these people are right now at the moment um not all of them had i think i think sometimes as well eddie even to nowadays in 2023 yeah can say that with some TV wrestling, like, why no, should I absolutely. care about this person? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think the thing is, as I said, like, it, it's still a problem from now. Like, you know, on EW TV recently, the workhorsemen came out and challenged FTR, and people were going, and people were in the crowd were chanting, Who are you? Mm. So, you know, there's that way where it's like, if you don't explain who people are, mm. you know, then the crowd are not going to, the crowd are not, if the crowd aren't going to care who these people are, then the people at home are going to go, Well, I don't know who these are. Unless you've seen JD Drake's bowling in Germany, they're not yeah. going to well. who, who But I think like there's some stuff here, and I'm very and like, as I said, for the time, and especially for like you know, it, it's going along the right lines mm. of what you'd kind of expect something if it was an indie who was kind of like trying to take the mantle of the UK version of Ring of Honor or something like that. Mm. Then, which remember doesn't exist yet. Yep. Exist, no. Yeah. No, we're still we're still on that day before it happened. Yeah. But for that, and especially since as you say, there's not a lot of I think the only other wrestling show, I think I checked while you were searching it, was like an all star wrestling show. Which was like yeah. that that was it really. So it's you know, it's, yeah. it's different and it'll appeal to an audience, yeah. Yeah. I like that it moved at a good pace. Uh there's always something happening. Every episode ends with a cliffhanger. Unfortunately, the one at the end of episode four is uh, one of the top baby faces has just broken his arm. Uh, mm. Legit. Uh, I like that they they managed to establish the two big heels in Williams and Shane, uh, and they've established Scott Parker as uh, they're on their way to establishing Scott Parker as a high up baby face through him advancing in the tournament, and all the ladies love him. Uh, and I think they wanted Jody up there with him, but the injury has kind of put the brakes on that. I haven't watched ahead, really. I don't know if and when he comes back in this run. I don't know if we will get to see him before the end of this oh. series. Yeah. Um, yeah, only 24 minutes, easy to watch. Um, it's pretty fun. It's 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 interesting See, from my perspective, it's in- interesting seeing where this bunch of people that I ended up working with came from because I hadn't seen when I started the only episode of this I had seen was the very last one. So there we go. That is it for episode one of nothing and like it. Thank you so much to Eddie and Andy for embarking on this ridiculous journey with me. Eddie, give us your socials and whatnot. Where can people find you if you want to be found all that kind of shit? 
Uh, you can find me at Eddie Sideburns on Twitter. Um, we'll be bringing back Five Star Wrestling in the year 2025. If you can trust Stephen Gauntley to create a company and bring it back, you can trust me. Uh, um, uh, you can also find me sometimes on the Arn and Eddie Experience, if that still exists. I think it does. Um, and yeah, that's about it. And Andy, what about you? What's going on with GCP? Where can we find that? And who are you? Um, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Augie Part 3. Uh, you follow my podcast, um, GCP Podcast, um, which is not the one to do with uh, Google Cloud products, uh, <laughs> at GCP Podcast 1 on Twitter. Uh, we do plenty of like, live show reviews. We also do a um, couple of projects ongoing. We're doing a project with um, my mate Chris Wilson uh, about five-star wrestling. Um, Eddie's favourite company. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're currently going to go into um, the free sports era. We've mm. just done the uh, first episode on when they were on Five Star on Sky, and mm-hmm. then we're going to go into six episodes on free sports. Uh, I also do a project uh, with um, from Grapple, um, Matty Edwards, uh, called Shite, all capital letters. We're getting up to the fifth episode of that one, uh, where we talk all the shite in wrestling and the next one coming up is all about um shit number twos in um tag teams so it's um tag team partners who went on to not do much with their career tremendous uh, tag team partner blossomed uh, but you can all go and check that out on all good podcast platforms and also follow gcp at gcp podcast one thanks very much kieran Fabulous. Uh, my regular home is Must See Matches, which I co-host with the Pundertaker, Mean Mark Buckledy. Uh That is, uh, Christ, I can't remember our own socials. At Must See Matches on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Threads and Blue Sky. I, I imagine because we dropped this in an episode of Must See Matches, you were listening to Must See Matches. Uh, there is a project that Mark started where he basically canvassed Twitter wrestling fans to uh, ask them for a list of up to 25 matches that they think every other wrestling fan needs to see. We collated the data and we were going to do a podcast about the top 100. Unfortunately, the maths didn't work out like that, so we're doing a podcast about the top 104. Uh, the most recent episode uh, was about the Royal Rumble 1992 and had both Eddie and Andy on it. Uh, I've done all those socials. Uh, I am at Kieran Edits. Uh, I'll get better at this as we go on because uh, there's a lot of shit to get in here. Uh, this show, we have socials. These two don't know it yet, but we have socials. On Twitter, at FWAPod. On Blue Sky, at FWAPod.bsky.social. They really need to sort that out. And on Instagram, because I couldn't have FWA pod, we are at FWA.pod. If all that was too confusing, go to linktr.ee slash FWA pod. That'll give you all of that shit and all the ways to subscribe to this show. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in a month with episodes five through eight of Frontier Wrestlings. And until then, there's two things you can do about it. FWA.